Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how are we doing on this Thursday, right? Labor Day kind of threw me off. Thursday. <laughs> I, I'm not going to call it Friday Junior either. Uh, right, right. Very nice. Uh, I am great. Could not be better. Uh, I played golf today. I shot 72 at the greens. Mm-hmm. I am at a 0.3 handicap. Closest I've ever been to scratch. My goal is to get there by the end of the season. So I've got that going for me. And the NFL season starts about two hours from when we're recording this right now. So it is a beautiful, beautiful Thursday in the great state of Oklahoma. Man, ever since I got out of TV, my golf game has slipped. I got down to about probably a four. And I broke 80 last time I played out at, at Oak Tree, but uh, my golf game will just never be the same. Because in TV, Colby, as as you remember, I didn't go to work till three o'clock in the afternoon, so I could golf literally every day if I wanted to, if I got up early enough. So those days are well behind me now that I'm married, got a couple step kids. So I'm very envious of your golf game. Yeah, I cannot get a real job because my golf game would go in the tank, and I just don't think men- mentally I can handle that. Yeah, when you were doing TV and I was doing the evening radio gig, boy, were we playing a lot of golf. I don't get to play <laughs> as much now, but I'm uh, I'm making the most of my opportunities these days, so that's good. There was one time you and I played, and it was freezing out at the greens, and we we were so hooked on golf, we were like, ah, eh, it's warm enough, and I that was one of the more miserable rounds I've ever played. I think I remember that day. It was like had to have been in the low 40s, maybe, and that wind was blowing out of the north. We're like, ah, oh, it won't be that bad. And it, it was that bad. I, uh, yeah, I actually played uh, a couple of weeks ago when I played in Canada, it was about 50 degrees with a little breeze and a, a, a light rain going. So I got some mid August winter golf, if you will. I'm jealous. I'm very jealous. Uh, we're going <laughs> to break down the upcoming game at on the road at Arizona state and any lingering thoughts from week one, which was whew, a lot to work on for the Cowboys. But first it's here from Chris's university spirit, your one-stop Cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. We appreciate them being with us every step of the way, not just during football season, but year-round. They've been a great partner for us. So if you're in Stillwater, be sure to stop by Chris's. They'll get you hooked up with all your OSU-related needs. Colby, I went back and watched the game against Central Arkansas, and there's been a lot of discussion about you know, how vanilla they were on offense. And I can certainly see that. Um, Adam Lunt, who, you know, my my fraternity brother from back in the day at OSU, he's developed quite the following on Twitter and posts a lot of plays. And, you know, his thoughts were, I thought, spot on where Oklahoma State was running seemingly the same play every four or five snaps. Um, just any, I have some lingering thoughts. Um, number one, just how vanilla they were on offense. And I, I'm going to get into some of the numbers of how far they've regressed under Casey Dunn. But just in general, what, do you have any lingering thoughts uh, from the game against Central Arkansas? Yeah, mine were actually not about the offense. My lingering thoughts were more about the defense. I, I think that we got so distracted and so focused on what was happening with the three quarterback system and and just 
the struggle offensively, right? It's been a sludge ever since that Texas game uh, last year. I looked up this morning because I was looking at the over-under for this Arizona State game, which is 56 and a half, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, when is the last time an Oklahoma State football game would have gone over 56 and a half? And it was that Texas game on October 22nd of last season. So I think that we've gotten so distracted by what's happening offensively that we're not taking as close of a look at the defense. Um, and, and looking back on it, I thought that they did a pretty good job most of the game. There were a couple of drives uh, where there were some some kind of burst plays for our, for Central Arkansas, and they were able to get some yardage up the middle. I'm still a little worried about the front seven. Um, but, but I would say, looking back at it, uh, I was probably a little more encouraged about the defense than I was initially because my thoughts about the game just kind of had me down a little bit. But I think the pass defense for Oklahoma State is, is going to be okay. Um, and I think the front seven can hold up. So I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give the defense at least certainly um, more opportunities to show me things because I think we, we, just, we get really focused on the offense um, and that side of the ball is doing okay. So um, I'm, I'm curious to see what they look like as we get into Arizona State. South Alabama is a pretty good team next Saturday. Um, but I'm a little more optimistic probably about the defense than I was whenever we recorded the recap on Sunday. Well, the injury bug has already struck the defense. You know, I didn't talk about this in the last show, but Justin Wright uh, was injured. He's out until week five against Kansas State. He announced that. So they've already, you know, middle linebacker, we like him and Nick Martin, but there's not a ton of depth there. So the defense is going to have some um, injury issues leading into conference play. So Justin Wright is injured. Uh, that doesn't help matters on defense, but you're right. I believe I saw the stat from one of the Hutchins twins from sellout crowd posted the top missed tackle leaders in the country and Oklahoma state had three of the top four. <laughs> so to your point, the defense was kind of overshadowed uh, by the offense. And that was a big talking point with the quarterbacks and how poorly the offense ran the football and things of that nature. But you're right. They, they have as much to shore up tackling wise as they do, uh, with the run game on offense. But I, Colby, part of me just thinks, you know, and Mike Gundy was way ahead of the curve on the lack of hitting in practice, keeping guys fresh. Uh, he, he did that seemingly when he took over at Oklahoma State so many years ago. But you do see a reflection of trying to keep guys healthy is they're they're not great at tackling. We I keep referencing that game against Kansas last year that you and I watched. That comes to mind, the Kansas State game on down the list. So, we're going to have to see if they can improve their tackling, Cole, because that's been as big an issue as, as really the, the offense lately. Yeah, no, you're right. And Mike Gundy talked about it on Monday, and, and it really is kind of a catch-22 for a program like Oklahoma State that doesn't have the depth of some of these top-tier elite programs in college football. Do you really put the pads on and go hard in August and do a bunch of tackling and risk getting guys hurt, or do you do a little bit less of that? And finding that balance, I think it's tough. I don't think that's an easy job at all. There's a lot of things that – um, I'll be critical of coaches for, but that's a fine line to walk. And Mike Gundy talked about the fact that maybe they didn't do as much of it this year because they wanted to keep guys fresh coming into the season. And and I get that, but, um, you know, Central Arkansas last week, that was a, a good little FCS school to get you going, but the tackling is going to have to get better in a hurry because at the end of the day, you got to do whatever you got to do to win football games. And that performance last week, maybe it gets you through Arizona State and South Alabama. I don't know. But you get into conference play, uh, you're certainly going to have to tackle better than we've seen this team do at times. 
the second half of last season. Uh, and then this year, obviously, a lot of new guys on this team. But, yeah, I, I think that that will improve with time because I just don't think they wanted to get guys hurt before the season. Uh, I'm sure they definitely put the pads on and did a lot of tackling, just didn't overdo it. So I think that that will improve as the season goes. But the injury bug is definitely a concern because, like we talk about, this team is not three depth, three deep at every position. This is not Georgia or Alabama or Ohio State. Um, this, team has, this team has a solid group of starters, a solid 22. And when those guys start dropping, other guys have to step up, and there is a little bit of a dip there. So the fact that Justin Wright's already out, the fact that some guys are already dealing with some things, uh, it's a little bit concerning, but don't want to jump the gun too bad on the injuries. Just hope that they don't stockpile like we've seen in years past, especially second half of last season. Yeah, and again, I my focus goes back to the offense in the rewatch. Uh, we all know how much they struggled running the football last year, just 3.4 yards per carry last year. And look, I, I certainly understand going vanilla against a team you're better than and, and all those things. But shouldn't an Oklahoma State offense running vanilla plays run up the score on a central Arkansas? I think we get so focused, Colby. I say we, the collective Oklahoma State fan base, we get so focused on game-to-game results. And, and I want to take a big step backward and look at this offense under Casey Dunn. So oh, you want to go talk picture. about the quarterbacks and who's going to start and, and, and all that. And we're going to get into that with the Arizona State preview. But this is a huge problem. Mike Gunny chose to retain Casey Dunn. Here are the yards per play ranking nationally for Oklahoma State. And again, I think yards per play over a huge sample size, not just one game, but a, a big sample size, is the best way to measure how successful an offense is. The, those unbelievable Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield offenses average around eight yards per play, which is just a preposterous number. In 2016, under Mike Yersich, they were 10th in the country at 6.6 .6 yards per play. 2017, they were fourth at 7.3. 2018, the last year under Yersich, they were 21st, 6.1. So a dip there was, with Corn Dog at quarterback. That was with Corn Dog, yep. So a, a dip there, but still top top 25 in the country, 6.1 per play. And, and six yards is 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 really good. I think about 33 teams average at least six. So that's that's a you're one of the better offenses in the country at that point. 2019 under Sean Gleason, small dip. They were 30th at 6.1, the same exact yards per play as the year before. Casey Dunn becomes the offensive coordinator in 2020. From Again, they were 10th, 4th, 21st, 30th. 2020, they were 74th at 5.4 yards per play. 2021, 77th at 5.4 yards per play, same yards per play. 2022, they were 99th at 4.9. Didn't average 5 yards per play. And I think they were at 4.9 after week one against Central Arkansas, which ranked them around 100. So that that's a long, long track record. That is a huge sample size. This offense just has not worked under Casey Dunn. And Mike and Mike Gundy, he, he's talked for years, no matter who the OC is, that they're going to come in and they're going to run the Oklahoma State offense. Well, the guy calling the plays helps determine what the Oklahoma State offense is and how productive it is. And right now, Colby, it's not just lackluster. It's terrible. I mean, 99th in the country last year, 77th the year before, 74th before that. Oklahoma State is not good enough on defense to sustain that. And that just shows you how good the defense was when they won the Fiesta Bowl. They overcame the 77th best offense in the country. So 
we can talk about Central Arkansas. We can talk about what quarterbacks in there. The, the names and the names and jersey numbers have changed. The results have not. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that we've watching the offense, the naked eye, just watching the games. I think we can all tell Casey Dunn has not operated the offense at as high a level of his as his predecessors. But man, putting the numbers to it, that's that's tough. I mean, Yersich, Yersich was great. Um, Yersich did not make a good first impression like the first month with Oklahoma State. So fans ripped on him for five years. But Yersich was great. The offense was great under Yersich. They were not losing games. Uh, rarely were they losing games because of the offense or because they weren't moving the ball. Um, Sean Gleason in his year, I mean, you said that 2018-2019, same yards per play. The dip under Casey Dunn has been pretty significant. And the numbers match what we're seeing with our eyes. The question now, I mean – there's 11 more games this season. So, yes, we can have the same conversation that we were having in December last year about whether, you know, Casey Dunn should be the guy. But right now, Casey Dunn is the guy. And I just hope, like, you don't have to be so entrenched in what you're doing that you can't change things when it's not working. Like, if we got to the end of the season and Casey Dunn changed a ton of things and it started working, all right, then let's make it work. That's kind of what we thought was happening at the end of 2021, right? We thought after that Bedlam game and after the Notre Dame game in the Fiesta Bowl, we thought that things were changing and that the offense was figuring things out under Casey Dunn and he deserved a chance to continue that momentum. Last year, that momentum fell off a cliff into the ocean. Now you're at a point where the offense looked poor in week one. I just think he has to do some things differently. I still don't understand why this offense does not use motion. They line up in the same formations. They run the same plays. Seemingly, again, I'm, I'm watching this naked eye. I don't have all 22. I'm not in film study. But this offense clearly is not putting a ton of stress on defenses. You know how I know that? Because guys are never running wide open in space because the defense couldn't figure out where people were going. That is almost never happening right now with this Oklahoma State offense. Used to happen all the time. I see it happening elsewhere all across the country. We're not sending guys in motion. They run that one little kind of bubble motion with Brennan Presley. They run it five times a game. It needs to be a more consistent part of your offense. Um, yes, you have to be able to run the ball. That helps an offensive coordinator. But if you're struggling there, the offensive coordinator has to have ways to create opportunities for your playmakers to get into space with the ball in their hands. It has not been happening under Casey Dunn. We, we've got to see something different. He's got 11 more games, I think, to prove that he can get this offense back to where it belongs. I, I truly believe this year, last year, I think we kind of thought it. This year, there's no doubt in my mind, Casey Dunn's coaching for his job. I, I think he knows he's got to be better, and we'll, we'll see how it looks going forward because, yeah, the, the offensive coordinator is absolutely coaching for his job this year. We don't need to talk around it. Um, it is what it is. The offense has to be better. Did you happen to see the quotes from Dabo Swinney after they lost to Duke? Uh, I saw some of them. I, I will tell you this much. Clemson is cooked uh, under Dabo. They, they're they not coming back. He's He is so not with the times with college football. What what quote were you uh, talking about specifically? Well, it's I, I believe I brought this up last year at one point. And Dabo Swinney is very similar to Mike Gundy in that he is loyal to his staff. I believe until was it Tony Elliott, his OC that just went to Virginia? He was his long standing offensive coordinator. He had failed to really inject any new ideas into his offensive staff for a very long time. You know, he hired Brent Venables, brilliant decision. They were unbelievable on defense under him. 
but Dabo was kind of in charge of the offense and they got really stale as an offensive staff, even before Tony Elliott, Elliott took a head coaching job and he goes and hires Garrett Riley this year, which I understand. And that's a great hire. Uh, did a, did an awesome job everywhere he's been, but Dabo Swinney had a quote saying, we didn't bring in Garrett Riley to run his offense. We brought him in to run the Clemson offense. Now, where have you heard that before Colby? Uh, yeah, we've heard that before in Stillwater. And to say that to Garrett Riley, who that's uh, that's not something that you should be saying. I, continue your thoughts here, but I, I've got some Dabo thoughts when you're done. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, made men as head coaches think they've got it figured out. And I I liked, I really liked the hire of, of Brian Nardo for all the potential he has as a young coach. And, and what did he hire Brian Nardo to do? He brought him in to run his defense. A style that he likes, that Mike Gundy handpicked, that he scoured the country for. He needs to do that on offense. And and I don't think Casey Dunn's the guy to do it. I think you have to go hire a guy who knows his own system, spread concepts preferably, as we know Oklahoma State has had so much success with. For whatever reason, I think it's partly because Mike's an old quarterback and he knows offense. He was a great offensive coordinator in his own right. I think they've just gotten completely stale on the offensive coaching staff. And I was a big proponent of, of hiring Casey Dunn for the job that he did as wide receivers coach and the fact that he's an elite recruiter. But calling plays is an, is an art form. It's different than just going and getting dudes at receiver and teaching them how to run routes. And I just I fear, Colby, that Mike Gundy has just gotten so stale with his offensive mindset that he just – that's why he, I believe he retained Casey Dunks. He knew he would run the offense that he wants to run. I don't think Mike got, every time Oklahoma state has started to see a dip in the offense, it's when Mike Gundy's had more control. And I think Todd Munkin pushed back, Dana Holgerson pushed back. And I even think he, he finally let Mike Yersich do his thing. Uh, once he had a senior laden quarterback with Mason Rudolph. So that again, was the offensive performance vanilla against central Arkansas. Sure. Uh, we, we can get past that. But this is a problem that is not a recent issue, and that's that's my fear for Oklahoma State football this year. Yeah, no, I think that's totally reasonable, and I'm not so much worried about the scheme against Central Arkansas. I find it concerning that you couldn't push those guys around. That, to me, is way more concerning than the fact that it was vanilla and all that. You you couldn't throw an FCS opponent around. Oklahoma State, for a long time, could, could really throw FCS opponents around. I, I do want to read this tweet right here. So, DJ... Yugalelei at uh, Clemson, transferred, I believe, now to Oregon State. His dad sent a tweet out yesterday, Carson, about Dabo Swinney. He said, I get it. You're against the portal, and you dislike NIL, but that's you and how you feel. Your obligation is to the athletes and what best fits the success of the program. And, and I'm not drawing parallels between Oklahoma State and Clemson here anymore. I'm just kind of talking about this Dabo phenomenon because Clemson climbed a mountain that is seemingly unclimbable. They took themselves from a non-blue blood, blue blood program who was not in the club. And how often do I talk about the club, Carson? If you're out, it's hard to get in. If you're in, it's honestly kind of hard to get out. You've got to go full Nebraska. So Clemson got themselves in and then NIL hits and the transfer portal hits and Dabo just doesn't like it. So he's just kind of not doing it. And Clemson's getting crushed. Dabo just didn't use the portal this offseason. Carson, we talked about how Mike Gundy was a little bit off because he thought the portal was going to slow down. Dabo just didn't use it. I think he used it on one player who had left and he let him come back in the portal. I just, 
uh, again, I, I Oklahoma State, that some things need to get better, especially offensively. Uh, but I am truly just big picture in college football. I am so fascinated by Clemson as a case study into how a coach can have so much success and then burn it to the ground because that is what Dabo is doing at, at Clemson. And it is fascinating to me. Yeah, it uh, they didn't just I mean, I know they had a bunch of mistakes, but man, that Duke Duke pretty much beat them over the head with all their mistakes. So that was uh, that was an interesting week one for them. Oklahoma State fortunately did win the game. They go to Arizona State this week. Uh, their interesting article up on uh, PFB about the quarterback matchup, uh, Jaden Rashada. They put kind of put their numbers side by side with Rangel, Bowman, Gundy basically forming one quarterback. And the numbers, you know, pretty pretty solid as a whole for Oklahoma State quarterback-wise. But, Colby, again, just going back and rewatching it, I, I'm flabbergasted why Garrett Rangel didn't get more time. And, look, Mike said that they decided this pre – Free game to go in thirds. Okay, I guess you're playing Central Arkansas. That That's fine. But to me, Rangel looked the best. Um, you just go back and watch it. He, he's making reads where the other guys seem to seemingly locked on to, to kind of their first one. And it just he, – he showed some mobility. He showed some arm strength. He, he did have the interception. Um, but, I again, I, I said this last week. I, I maintain it. I think you give him the whole first half. And then at that point, if you're still stuck in the mud offensively, I'd go to Bowman. And with with all due respect, I, I just do not think Gunnar Gundy is a Division One, Power Five, Big Twelve level quarterback. I don't. People can cite last game. I, he played well. I gave him a I gave him a bullet last week. Totally different. It, it's almost like you can almost see that. Go back and rewatch it, Colby. You can almost see the switch flip with Gundy and Dunn. They're like, oh crap, we we're we're up by six points here. We we need to go score. And they the offense looked radically different with Gunnar Gundy in there. They actually took some shots down the field. So it's hard to judge on the limited sample size from each guy. But for me, Rangel looked the best. Yeah, I, I think it was really hard to judge the sample size from last week. I, I also think Rangel looked the best. I think the ball uh, comes out of his hand just a little more naturally, a little more pop to it. Bowman, you know, he's got that kind of lower arm angle. It seemed like he was pushing a little bit. And I, I will say this. I think we'd be viewing Bowman's night a little bit differently had he not had Blaine Green drop a big play up the seam and Jaden Bray and Ollie Gordon both had drops out in the flat on the left side. So we're probably viewing Bowman a little bit differently if those balls are caught. Still think the ball popped out of Rangel's hands with a little more zip. Here's my thing whenever we're looking at Rangel v. Bowman specifically, those two those two guys. Um, then I'll talk about Gunner. Rangel and Bowman, like, Alan Bowman's 23, 24 years old. Garrett Rangel has the potential, could be, the future of the program. And I'm sorry, but if you're 23, 24 years old, and you don't come in and make it obvious that you're better than the guy who's 20, like, if we're sitting here and we're like, yeah, I kind of think the 20-year-old's better, 21, whatever he is, he could be the future of the program. You you play the younger guy and you let him try to establish something because he might be able to play for another three four years uh, as your starting quarterback. Whereas Alan Bowman's not that that's a that's a one year holdover. Uh, and Garrett Rangel might go elsewhere. You know, so I, I like Rangel in that sense over Bowman because if Bowman was going to really show that he's the guy and he's that much better than Rangel, he probably would have done it in practice or or, or maybe he would have looked like a stud last week. I don't know. As far as Gunner, um, you know, Mike said earlier this week that he earned some stripes, and I definitely think he did. You, you earn some stripes. You earn the respect of your teammates whenever you go out, you do it in the fourth quarter, um, and, and you win a football game. I, I don't think his arm is as strong as Garrett Rangel's. I, I think that they move pretty similarly, if I had to guess. I, I just um, 
again, I, I just don't know that Gunner is your starting quarterback at this level that's going to go out and win you 10 games. Now, is he a perfectly competent backup who I don't feel totally uh, like you're just going to get dragged through the mud whenever he's out on the field? Yes, I, I think that he is that guy. Um, and I don't know that I would have said that before last weekend because last year he, he looked nervous. He looked uh, overwhelmed and he didn't look like he was at the right level. He, he looked okay last week. He, he looked more comfortable. He settled in. He made some nice throws. He was patient. Uh, but, yeah, the offense, they were running the ball with Gunner in there. Uh, they took a deep shot with Gunner in there. He dropped a dime. I give him credit. Uh, but right now, Rangel is my guy. And, yeah, I, I think you give him a half. Um, now, maybe if it's – I mean, if you come out of the gates and, and they go three and out the first three series, okay, I'm, I'm fine with a quick trigger. You, you want to pull the leash, that's fine. Uh, but if the offense is doing anything at all, I, I think Rangel deserves a half to see if he can get into some rhythm and make some things happen. So um, I'm not, like, overwhelmingly in in Camp Rangel, but that's where I'm at right now, and, and I, wanted, I want him to have the chance to prove it. I agree with you. What do you think Mike Gundy will do on Saturday? Um... I, I don't think it's going to be as cookie cutter. You get four series, you get four series, you get four series. I really, I believe that they're going to start the game with Garrett Rangel and then they're going to see how it goes. I think that's what happens in week two. I don't think it's a predetermined thing in week two like it was in week one. I think if they come out and they go three and out the first three tri trips, he gets yanked. Uh, I think if they go down and score a touchdown and then they go get a field goal and then they get to midfield and have to pump maybe, I think we maybe do see Rangel for a half and then if they're up, you know, 24 to seven, um, I don't, I don't know what happens from there, but I do think that we see Rangel and I think it is less predetermined than it was a week ago. I think it's going to be more based on the play. Sorry. I got, I got a puppy running around here throwing bones around. <laughs> so I don't know if you could hear that at all, but no, we I could not, but we're, we are very team puppy on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a reason Rangel started the game. Uh, I think he probably looked the best in practice. It would not surprise me at all if Alan Bowman ran out there first, uh, being a, being that it is a road game. Uh, you know, guy who's played a lot of college football, not in a long time. He hadn't played in a couple of years, but you get the point. And and I'm with you. I don't I don't think Bowman looked as bad as the numbers would say. I think I totally agree that his numbers will look drastically different without the drops. But no, I I I think it's going to tell us a lot on the road at night in Tempe. But. Um, Man, it's going to be fascinating. And the bottom line is, Colby, the, the running game has to get fixed. Now, I think some of that, they were vanilla against Central Arkansas. I think we're going to see a radically different, you know, the blocking schemes we've heard all offseason. I think we'll see much more of that. But you also have to get Ollie Gordon the football. And uh, what, what would your over-under be on Ollie Gordon carries? It, it, I would put it what I would like it to be at 20, but I'd probably put the over-under at, what, 15? You think 15? You're talking touches or carries? Carries. I mean, 15 seems like a lot, doesn't it? He had seven last week. Yeah, but again, different stakes, different opponent. Um, I, I think I think part of that, I think they honestly, I really think, Colby, they just plan on rolling their helmets out there and beating Central Arkansas and did as little as possible. I mean, that okay. that's the only way you can really explain that performance. Or, or else they're just really, really, really bad, and we were way wrong on our season predictions. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's one or the other. I, um, I don't think I would set it that high. I think I'd set it at like 10 and a half. I think that they kind of like what Elijah Collins does. I think they kind of like what Jaden Nixon does. And I don't think that they're overly confident in their ability to run the ball. So we might see them throw it another 48 times. So I think I'd set that number at 10 and a half for Ollie Gordon. I think he flirts with double digit carries. Um, and then maybe 
two catches out of the backfield, something like that. So I, I would see him somewhere touches probably in the 12 to 14 touch range is where I see Ollie Gordon with about 10 of those being carries. Hello, Carson. Are you with us? Sorry about that. Uh, I had myself on mute. That puppy was driving me nuts. Uh, 9.30 <laughs> kick, uh, central time. We're going to get our first taste of the artists formerly known as Pac-12 schools with a 9.30 kick on Saturday. OSU is a three-point favorite over under 56 and a half. Colby, let's, uh, before we make our picks, let's do our U Chris's University Spirit uniform predictions. Brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Uh, Colby, I, I have some intel that Arizona State's wearing all black. That was informed uh, from one of my Twitter followers today. So keep that in mind when you're making your uniform predictions, and then we'll predict the game. Uh, okay, if they're wearing all black, I didn't realize they were wearing all black. You go first then because I want to change one thing because I had all white for Oklahoma State, and I don't think we're going full checkerboard. So you go first. Yeah, I was going to say – either black, white, black, or white, white, black uh, with the black. They have two different white jerseys, Colby. I forgot about this. They have white jerseys with orange numbers and letters, and then they have white jerseys with black lettering and numerals. So I was kind of hoping for the black numerals with black pants, but since they're wearing all black, I, I kind of think either all white or I could see them going orange, white, orange. That's going to be my official pick, orange, white, orange with the cursive ah. Cowboys would be my pick. Carson, that's what I just changed mine to. I just changed it from white, white, white to orange, white, orange. Uh, I've got orange, white, orange with the orange lettering on the jerseys. I've got two white jerseys, so I've got the orange yep, lettering same. on the jerseys. Uh, and I chose Curse of Cowboys as well. Um, we're, hey, we're one and oh. Why, why fight it? Yeah, that's a good point. They wore a Curse of Cowboys last year, I believe. Yeah, they did. Last year was white, black, white, and it was a Curse of Cowboys on the side of the helmet. So I'll go, I'll go orange, white, orange. I had all white, but if they're wearing all black, I, I don't think that it's going to be uh, a full on checkerboard. Concern level. Uh, it's time to make your picks. What's your, what's your concern level going into this game? Concern level. It's a five. I mean, I, I think that this is a game that Oklahoma state could lose, but I still don't think that they will lose it uh, because it, at fundamentally, I believe in Oklahoma state as a program much more than I believe in Arizona State as a program. So in a matchup of two teams with a lot of transfers who are trying to figure it out, I'm going to take the program uh, that, that has a more sustained track record of success. What's your pick? I don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, I don't think it's going over that 56 and a half. Again, you've got to go back to October 22nd of last year before Oklahoma State would have had a football game go over 56 and a half. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, I think it's going to be a game played in the 20s. And I think Oklahoma State is going to win 24 to 20 out in Tempe. I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a of a slog to, to get out of there with a win. But uh, get out of there. Try to beat South Alabama. Go into conference, play 3-0. and And hopefully just keep getting better as the season goes. You're working in a lot of new guys. Uh, so I'm a little nervous. But I think Oklahoma State gets it done in a close game. This is a tough one because my concern level about Oklahoma State is very high. But I also think Arizona State stinks. I mean, we saw their week one performance. It's We've talked about it in the weeks leading up. They're a clown show of a program. But And I and I do think there's this – college football is probably the worst at this. The NFL is the same way where there's just massive overreaction to week one. 
And so I, I do not want to fall for that. And I certainly think Oklahoma State's a superior program with superior players and a superior head coach. But I just do not think Oklahoma State will be able to run the football. I mean, to predict otherwise would be foolish, in my opinion. Now, maybe they're going to unveil these new schemes we've heard so much about, and they're going to run the ball at will with Ollie Gordon. I got to see it to believe it. So if that's the case, who do we trust dropping back there? I mean, if Garrett Rangel just lights it up, I'll, I'll gladly be wrong, but I don't think they're good enough up front pass blocking nor run blocking to blow out Arizona State or to really, you know, score 30. I mean, that we you went over last last pod how how, how little they've scored 30 points lately. So I, we're on the same page. I've got Oklahoma State 24-21 was my pick. So I, I think it's going to be very close. I think it's right on the point spread and I don't feel great about it either way, but I just, I don't think Oklahoma State's good enough offensively to, to really pull away in this one. And I think it's going to be a long night in Tempe. I really do. Have not scored 30 since that win over Texas that I mentioned last year. Crazy. I mean, that, uh, that is, that is brutal. So, uh, we got time for a few Twitter questions. Uh, we also have bullets and BBs. So let's do some bullets and BBs, Colby. Uh, what do you got for us this week? Uh, bullet football, Carson. Football is full-on back. It was kind of back last week with the opening weekend of college football, but really my college football fandom, my allegiances, they all lie with Oklahoma State. It was a game against Central Arkansas. Tonight, the NFL starts. We've got a full slate on Saturday. We're going to be going till 1 a.m. with Oklahoma State, and then we've got the NFL on Sunday all day long, the witching hour, the red zone, the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. It is all back, Carson. It's here. I love it. I do too. I, it's my favorite time of the year by far. So I, I absolutely am fired up for tonight. Uh, my bullet is going to go to, I wanted to go Florida state, you know, lifelong Florida state fan here. They switched their uniforms. They lay the smack down on LSU myself and Adam Lunt fellow FSU fan. We're riding high, but I'm going to go with, this is an, this is a pre bullet. This is a provide inspiration bullet. My my bullet is going to the Big 12. This is a huge weekend for me, Colby. Do you know why? Uh, because the Big 12 needs to have a pulse at some point. Texas, Alabama, I'm not sure. We've got Iowa State versus Iowa. Lost. We, we've got Colorado against Nebraska. <laughs> Win, right? Are Win, you? yes. Okay. Yes, I, well, I was chuckling because Colorado's not actually Big 12, but I see what you did there. And then we got Kansas, Illinois. This is a big, big weekend for me and my Big Ten stinks take. If the Big 12 goes 0-3, Colby, I might not ever hear the end of it. So this is an inspirational bullet. Do not let me down, Big 12. They're favored in two out of the three. Make it 3-0. and You get you get Iowa and Illinois. I can't think of a more palatable Big, big Ten. Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, all we're missing is like a like a Rutgers, Colby, and that's the, that's the, big, the big Ten uh, poo-poo platter. Uh, yes, it absolutely is. I I sense a two and one coming there. I think Iowa beats Iowa State, but I think the other two win. I think Colorado beats Nebraska. Uh, yes, we've already adopted Colorado, and I do think that Kansas beats Illinois. I think Kansas is decent. So, um, yeah, I think two and one is the play there. Iowa just finds ways to beat Iowa State, and Iowa State's not that good this year. So that's probably I don't know what's the final score to that game going to be seventeen to seventeen to thirteen probably. Probably I didn't see the over under on that, but it's probably not pretty. I'll find it for us before we're done. So, yeah. What do you got for uh, BBs? Uh, BBs. 
People who refuse to enjoy fun, Carson. I, I saw a lot of people who didn't want to just enjoy the fun right now that is Colorado football. Maybe I'm too obsessed with them. I don't know. I think it's fascinating. I think the fact that Dion, with with everything that he's accomplished in the game of football, had to go to an HBCU, had to go to Jackson State and prove it there. He proved it there. He came to Colorado. People said it was a gimmick. People said that uh, somebody, maybe it was Luganbill, said they have the worst roster in the entire, all of Division One football, they had the worst roster. People crap on them. They come out in week one, and they are electric, exciting from the jump. And still this week, people don't want to enjoy it. People are crapping on us. Well, how many games is this team going to win anyway? No, no, no. Just enjoy it as it happens. It's okay. We live in this sports debate culture where everybody feels a need to take a side about everything. I so envy, you know, 40 years ago when sports fans could just watch something fun, appreciate that it was fun, and we didn't have this stupid debate television, debate culture, everybody in everybody's mentions yelling at each other. Just It's fun. Enjoy it and see where it goes. Stop trying to uh, to crap on it and make it less than. I just... I love Colorado right now. I've got some family friends up there. I've got a buddy who went to school there, uh, graduated a few years ago. So I am pulling for the Buffaloes, Carson, and I will not have any prime slander on my watch. I prime's on one. He he's a little off his rocker, but he has dudes. That but it's that fun. is for sure. It's fun. I mean, it's fun. I, the Fox is cashing in. They're they're showing Colorado week one. They're showing them again on week two. So the prime business is is open and it. Seems like it's going to work there. Just proof, Colby, like recruiting matters. Like getting dudes fixes a lot of coaching. It it really does. So that that was fun to watch. And I, I'm an old – I grew up in the Big 8 days. So like seeing Colorado good again, it's just right. Their uniforms just remind you of all those great teams. Uh, I, I like seeing Colorado be good at football. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, my BB, I already went over the numbers. Uh, Casey Dunn, I mean, again, I don't care how vanilla you were. It's just – it's bad, and I do believe he's coaching for his job, and I think this is a good test on the road at, at night. I think this could go really badly, Colby, to where I, I think it could get really ugly amongst the fan base if they lay another egg on the road. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Um, the Discord has been very, you know, I, I feel like half the fan base is up in arms, ready to fire people. This is unacceptable, and I feel like half the fan base is like, Y'all are being way too critical. It was week one against Central Arkansas. Give them a few weeks to figure it out. And I think that we're teetering uh, on the fan base devouring itself with internal uh, drama. So, yeah, I, I, a good performance Saturday night is really in store so that everyone can just keep level heads, calm down. Um, yeah, I, I think Saturday night is is big for the fan base. I uh, got time for a couple Twitter, Twitter questions before we get out of here? Absolutely. Let's do it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. <laughs> uh, Brian Metcalf asked the DEA, the Dunn era average. <laughs> it got he got bored and made up that stat for total offense in a game is in game twos is three hundred and seventy three yards. That's their average for game twos of the season total yardage. Do they go over or under three hundred and seventy three total yards against Arizona State? What a great stat. What a great stat. Well, give me give me the number again. Uh 373 is their the Dunn era average, the DEA in game twos. Uh, surprisingly, game one DEAs is four hundred and eleven, and they got the over at four fifty-three. So will they surpass three hundred and seventy-three total yards against Arizona State? Okay, last week was three ninety-one. Um 
I'm going to give them the over. I, I I think they might. It might be close. I think that's actually a pretty good number, but I'm going to give them the over. Um, I think that they will flirt with 400. Remember when they would get 300 and a half? Those were those days were fun, weren't they? 300 used to not even be a question. 400 used to not even be a question. We were talking about 600. That was the goal. Um, those days are in the past, but also, Carson, hopefully in the future. I, I'm feeling a little optimistic this evening for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, I 373 is low. I'll go over. I mean, that again, that's just if that's the bar, <laughs> that should that should tell you something. So uh, also, I I misread this uh, box score. Central Arkansas had 391 last week. Oklahoma State had 453. Yeah, I yeah, think Oklahoma four, State goes over 373. Yeah, and their average was 411, so they got 453 after the DEA in game one. I like the DEA, I, I, the Dunn era average. I love I love that. Good job, yeah, Brian good. Metcalf. Shout, Brian Metcalf. I was gonna say shout him out again because that's a good yeah. one. Uh, from Bo Hoggrief, Hoggrief, Herbert McMurphy, Iowa has sold out all of their home games for the second consecutive season. What is your honest reaction to this information? Uh, for me, I've never wavered on this. Like you just go look at Ames. Those people care about college football. I mean, Iowa state can be the worst. They've been one of the worst power five programs of the last 20 years. And they pack the house. They go to every game. Same with the Iowa Hawkeyes, a proud program. They've had a lot more success than Iowa State. I will never say a bad word about that because you look at those schools in the Pac-12 that had to had to bounce. They don't care about football. So I'll, I'll, I appreciate Iowa's fan base. And, I, and I, honestly, I think Oklahoma State and Oklahoma can look at Iowa State and be like, wow, we don't show up nearly as much as they do week in, week out. That's, that's something to be admired. Yeah, it absolutely is. I, I think that that is one great point. They very much do care about college football. I also just Googled things to do in Iowa City. Just, I was curious. Yelp popped up. Number one is the Wilson Orchard. Number two is the old Capitol Museum. Number three is Devonian Fossil George. At number four, we get to the University of Iowa. And at number seven, we get to Niall Kinnick Stadium. Um, Iowa City, probably not a real popping place on the weekends. Why not go see an Iowa football game? Uh, yes, we will clown their offense for all of the eternity of the Ferences, no matter how bad Oklahoma State gets. Offensively, we will still make fun of Iowa. Uh, but yes, their fans do care, and you, you have to respect that uh, because it's not that way all across the country. Uh, from Pistol Rick, will Iowa State be the first game we see a full starting quarterback? And is this offensive line really as bad as it looks Saturday? Going in, it seemed like they would be a lot better off compared to last year. I think scheme had a lot to do with the offensive line, Colby. But um, until I see improvement otherwise, I think it's kind of status quo offensive line-wise. And and no, I, I think I think Mike will have a starter before Iowa State. I think this game will go a long way. I think someone's going to go out and earn it uh, against Arizona State. Yeah, I think so, too. I can't imagine they're, they're still going to be wanting to juggle going into conference play. Now, your bye does come in week five after that game against Iowa State, so I could see them maybe doing the, the three-quarterback thing or two- or three-quarterback thing for four weeks and then going into the bye, establishing a starter, and then coming out for the final eight games. Maybe they do that. I think they'll have it figured out before then. I am curious to see just how much the addition, uh, potential addition of Preston Wilson matters. Again, we don't know exactly what uh, what the situation was there, personal reason, uh, non-football-related reason for him not playing a week ago. So curious how much of an impact that makes. But big picture, like you said, the offensive line has just it's struggled for a long time. Um, so it's really hard to predict them to just go out and throw bodies around when we have not seen that for so, so long. I think the puppy might have gotten your mic again, Carson. 
Okay. Yep. Sorry. One more here from <laughs> Tyler Wheat. He said the BB goes to Arizona State for doing a blackout versus a school with black as one of their school colors on a day where kickoff temp is supposed to be 100 plus degrees at that. With some orange mixed in the crowd, it might look like we traveled really well. Where does that rank on the all-time dumb maneuvers? I mean, it's going to be 105 degrees at time of kickoff in Tempe. They're wearing all black. Uh, that is, yeah, that is really dumb. I was actually so annoyed when I saw that the game started at 9.30 our time. I've got a golf tournament this weekend. I'm going to have an 8 a.m. tea time Sunday morning, and I'm not going to have time to watch the game Sunday, so I'm going to have to watch it in its entirety Saturday night. But then I looked. Carson, the high temperature Saturday in Tempe, Arizona is 113 degrees. Thank God they're not playing this game any earlier in the day. I mean, that this is dangerous heat they're dealing with out in Arizona. The later they can get this kick, the better. I'll stay up until 1 a.m. Uh, because that's just, that's borderline unsafe if they were to be playing this game in the middle of the day. Do you remember the last time they played at Sun Devil Stadium? Uh, I do not. Check engine light game. James Castleman. When they beat up on Washington. That's right. That's right. Good call. So good vibes there. Uh, Colby, I think it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Um, again, I'm kind of predicting Garrett Rangel's the guy, but who knows what's going to happen. Any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, man, I hope it looks better. I hope it looks better offensively. I hope they get some guys moving, get some guys into space. The offense just, it has to get better uh, if this team is going to accomplish really uh, any of the goals that they set out. So, Hopefully we see it. I'd like to see this team top 30. It's been a long time. Uh, I'd like to see them top 40, get into the 50s. Whatever you can do, score points. I just, man, it's, we've watched Oklahoma State for a long time. Be so good on that side of the ball. Uh, and winning 27 to 13, it's just, it's not very satisfying. Maybe that's us being greedy. I don't know. Uh, I don't think it is. Go score points. That's that's my and, final thought. And good offensive coordinators get the ball in their, their best skill talent players' hands and give them an opportunity to succeed. I, on a, I'm going to end on a positive note. I really liked what I saw out of Stribling out wide. Really like uh, the backup running back, uh, Elijah. His name already escaped me. It's only been one game with him. Uh, help me. What's the backup running back's name? I just uh, totally Oklahoma State, Elijah Collins, Jaden Nixon. Collins. I want to say Elijah Mitchell. I got fantasy football on my mind. I knew it wasn't uh, Elijah Mitchell. By, by the way, real quick, I, I've kind of learned this week we're in the wrong business, my friend. You and I should be having a fantasy football pod. We need to have a website. We've been texting pictures of drafts. I didn't realize you were such a fantasy football nerd like I am because I, I am a full-on nerd for it. Oh, I'm in way too many leagues. I'm in best ball. I'm in uh, some dynasty leagues. I'm I'm total fantasy football fanatic. So, yes, we, I'm glad we're not in the same leagues. You and I have a lot of the same information, so that's good. But, again, I'll just continue my thought. Again, just Presley, Stribling, Ollie Gordon, Find a way to get them the ball in space, Casey Dunn. It's not, it's not, it's a complicated game, but that's the name of the game. And so if they do that, I think they'll be just fine offensively. But again, the sample size is too large for me to predict a blowout. So hopefully I'm wrong because I was certainly wrong uh, <laughs> after week one. I thought they'd handle Central Arkansas better than that. Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. We will have a recap pod coming your way. Can't guarantee when that's coming out. We're trying to work on our schedules uh, for Sunday. Worst case scenario, we will get to it on Monday. Appreciate everyone for listening as always. Hope it's a great Saturday night out in Tempe. Go Pokes!